0: This morning we hear from the gospel of Matthew what is known as the parable of the talents. And if you're a little distressed by the parable of the talents, I think you're not alone. I remember the first time I heard this story, I was sitting in church because you see I wasn't raised hearing Bible stories. And I remember thinking, "What on earth is this about? What is going on?" Those who have much and are rich, are given more, and those who have little have the little what they have taken away from them. What kind of values is this? In the story, of course, a person goes away on a journey and takes the money that he or she has, because in the original Greek the gender of the person is not specified, gives five talents, or you could consider them large gold coins or dollars to one of their servants, gives two to another and one to another. The ones who have the five, the one who has the five, the text says traded those five, traded is the word that's used in the text, and gained five more. In our context, it sounds like that particular servant might have gone to the stock market, trading the money for securities or something like that, and then made 100% profit, which is pretty good. The second servant took the other two, and the text says that they gained two more. That's a little less specific, right? How do you take $2 and gain two more dollars? I'm not really sure, but somehow that servant figured out how to do it. The third is probably the one that I identify with the most. Because if you're looking for investment advice, do not come to me. (laughs) If you only have one talent or one dollar and you don't know what's going to happen, or maybe you don't know how to invest your retirement account and you have to do something and make your life work with this one talent, well, then it's pretty natural to have a certain amount of fear out of scarcity. My goodness, you have to make this thing stretch the whole way, and what are you going to do with it? What if you don't know how to trade or to gain like the other two servants? What if you have it and someone comes and steals your purse while you're sleeping? Then you'll have zero talents. So to my mind, that third servant did what was just logical, They took it and buried it in the ground, making sure that no one would come and take it, and they'd at least have that one talent for when the master came back. But of course, this isn't the right thing to do, according to the text. And that one servant who buried that one talent receives a pretty bad punishment. My goodness. If you lose some money on the stock market, then all you do is lose some money but this poor servant is cast out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I didn't hear about that when I was listening to Susie Orman and her podcast. (laughs) So what on earth is this all about? You know, Jesus loves to tell us stories that are shocking. And here we are 2,000 years later, still shocked by these words, or at least I am. It sounds like a story about power, a story about money, and a story about the wisdom of what to do with the things that you have. I think part of the key to understanding this parable of the talents is looking at the way that the servant who had the one talent addressed the master. I have known you to be stingy. I have known you to reap where you did not sow. I have known you to only give me one talent when look over there at those other two. One had five and one had two. The master, the person who's giving out the talents, clearly doesn't like this mentality. And I think that in telling us this parable, Jesus is trying to tell us something too. If we are to sit around and bemoan what little that we have, then we wind up living lives that are trapped in scarcity. I think there's probably another part to the story too. There were probably a whole bunch of servants who didn't get any talents at all, or maybe just had a couple of copper coins thrown at them. We live in a society, even to this day, that is incredibly unjustly unequal when it comes to who has wealth and who doesn't have wealth. And it's right. When we have so few resources, to bemoan the fact that we don't have those in the face of those who have way too much, even for their own good. But in this story, Jesus is prompting us to have a different attitude, no matter who we are or how much we have, to be grateful for what it is that we have at all. Because living a life of gratitude leads to generosity When you look at the story, look again at the verb, not that the servants do, but the thing that the master does. The servant with the five traded. The servant with the two gained. The servant with the one buried, and we know how it turned out for them. But the master, the master gives. Gives for no reason at all. He's just going on a trip, and he decides to give. There's no explanation as to why one got five, one got two, and one got one. It simply is that way. And once the talents are dealt out, the only thing for the servants to do is to respond to what it is that they have. Two of them act out of generosity, and one does not. Those are the responses they have chosen to the generosity of what it is that the master has given them. It turns out that the master actually is the most generous one of the three. The rest of them are left to decide what to do, what is in their hands, whether themselves to be grateful and generous or not. Now, I will just say that I don't agree with the punishment that the, one, that the servant who got the one talent received. And I think it's wrong, and I think it's unjust. So I'm just going to go on the record for that. But I do think there is still some wisdom to be gained in this story. Because far too often, no matter how much or how little we have, we can try to continue to live our lives out of a mentality of scarcity, not one of generosity, or gratitude. And when we live out of a place of scarcity, then we trap ourselves. It makes it impossible for us to participate in God's reality. Because God's reality is one like the master, one of giving, one of generosity. You know, unlike so many other things in this life, there's almost no explanation for generosity. Why is it important to be generous? Why should someone be generous? Anthropologists and philosophers have come up with explanations as to why people give gifts or why they choose to be generous to other people in their lives. Some people say it's because we expect to receive something in return, and to be sure, sometimes that's the case. But I think that being generous is at the core of what it means to be a human being. And unfortunately, generosity is not something that we in this society are particularly good at. Generosity is many things. On the one hand, it is a basic human need. Have you ever thought about it that way? Have you ever thought that part of what makes you a human being is to be generous, and that when we are not generous, we are actually denying our own humanity? Think for a second about little kids. Little kids aren't really in control too much of what they do and what they say. It just comes out of instinct. And oftentimes, to be honest, they're pretty greedy. But every once in a while, you'll see the way that little kids are generous to each other, To their parents, to the world. When you ask them to pray, it's pretty amazing how generous they can be in their concerns for the world around us. And it can inspire the rest of us to be just as generous. They do this because even at a very young age, we have that need to be generous. Generosity is also countercultural. Have you ever thought about it that way? If we want to go along with mainstream culture, especially one that is so rooted in capital and accumulation and getting things, if we want to go along with all that, then yes, we should continue to just keep trying to get as many things as we possibly can for ourselves. Keep watching those numbers go up as long as they're associated with our bank account. But if you want to do something really freaky, Give some of it away. How do you explain that to people? It's very difficult, and yet it's a very powerful witness to a strain of thought and a strain of soul that is at complete odds with the greed of the society in which we live. Generosity is life-giving. It's life-giving not only for you, but for the people to whom you are generous. In some cases, generosity can actually lead to saving a life. Just last year, our own parish administrator, Catherine Slingloff, was generous enough to give the gift of a kidney to one of her relatives, and it wound up saving his life. To me, what's so amazing about her gift was that she was so willing to give it, but also that it was only by generosity, her generosity, that she was actually able to save the life of someone that she loved. It's really as simple as that. Truly, it is only by being generous that we can participate in God's reality. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us through this parable of the talents If we continue to live in a climate of a mentality of scarcity, then we're blocking ourselves off from all the goodness that goes on in God's reality. Jesus demonstrates this through his own life. He was generous with every single person that he met. Even when he had a harsh word to tell them, it was coming out of a place of being generous towards them. And as if to prove the point, He was generous enough to offer his own body, his own spirit, his own soul on the cross, and then to offer his resurrected life to the rest of us so that we too could participate in God's economy of generosity. It's impossible to follow the words of Jesus without being generous, generous in everything that we do. Today is Harvest Sunday. It's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, when we give thanks for the generosity that God has shown to us in our lives, for the generosity of the earth, which keeps giving and giving and giving, even when we don't deserve it. It is also the final Sunday of our 2024 stewardship campaign, which itself is a celebration of generosity There are so few places you can go where people celebrate generosity. And yet here we are. We celebrate God's generosity toward us. We also celebrate the abundance that God has given to us. And we acknowledge that all the good things that we have in our lives come from God and from God alone. You see, the absurdity of the one servant who only received one talent was to simply not acknowledge that that one talent didn't really belong to them to begin with. It was simply given to them by the master. It's equally absurd to assume that the things that we have in our lives come solely because of our goodness or because of the work that we have done. Of course we work and we labor, But ultimately, everything that we have comes from God and from nowhere else. And so on this Harvest Sunday, we celebrate that. We celebrate that in our prayers, and we celebrate that in our own generosity towards one another and towards this church. So, please come celebrate the harvest Celebrate the generous people that we are because, my goodness, there is so much generosity in this congregation. Let's celebrate. Give thanks for that. Give thanks for all that we have and give thanks to God who has given to us all that we possess. Amen.